All right, well, this morning we have the opportunity to look at uh, being really free, and as we've heard all those announcements and opportunities, uh, you're really free uh, to be involved in all of them, uh, to uh, connect and to uh, be all with God's people, but really being an inviting people. Uh, my wife, yesterday I was, uh, I was in another room and someone came to our door, one of our neighbors, one of our neighbor kids, and they were uh, selling Boy Scout, uh, I guess that was popcorn, I was going to say cookies, but that's Girl Scouts, but it was cookies, it was popcorn and some other things like that, and, and Alice decided to go quid pro, you know, she said, well, if you'll come to our Harvest Fest on Wednesday, I will buy those, well, she, she did invite the, him. Uh, but uh, she didn't quite make a quid pro, but she did uh, take advantage of the opportunity to uh, just uh, support our neighborhood uh, kid as well as uh, uh, just invite him to uh, an event at our church. And he directly said, can I go? Can I, can I go to his uh, brother who was with him? And so he said, well, I have to talk to your parents, but to our mom and dad. But anyway, I encourage you to really be free just to take advantage of all the opportunities to be involved with what God is doing. So let's pray, and I'll, I'll, I'll pray that I'll speak a little bit slower than I am right now, and we'll, uh, we'll get going. Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for the privilege of being in a place where we get to hear God's word, where we get to uh, see how it applies to our lives, and that we understand who you are and who we are and what you want us to be all about. And Father, I do really pray that today, as we look at your word, that we'll really understand the freedom that's found in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So I invite you to turn your Bibles uh, to the book of Galatians. It's a little letter in the New Testament. You find the first four Gospels, go a little bit further, and you'll find a, a number of little letters that Paul wrote to churches and areas, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and uh, turn uh, to that little letter to Galatians and turn to the fifth chapter. This morning, we're going to be talking about really free, and really the, the challenge here is to, to live free. It's one, it's one thing to know you are free or actually be free and live like it. I was reading the story about, a true story, about this uh, uh, friend who gave a family a red-shirt collie that had become too old to breed puppies. So I guess it wasn't quite as valuable as it would have been earlier in its life. Uh, But this family soon learned that this beautiful dog had sadly spent much of her life inside a small pen. She would only walk in tight circles She couldn't fetch or run in a straight line, and even with a large yard in which to play, she thought she was fenced in. Now, as tragic as that that is, that is often the description of how we are, that we are really, we've been set free, we're no longer under bondage, we're no longer under restrictions, and yet somehow we think as we enter into a relationship with God, He's going to add to our burden rather than taking the burden off. Jesus said, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And, and we think really that if we really are sold out for God, it's going to be more of a chore than it will be a, a blessing to, to live out God's plan for our life. Now, however, that is not to say that God doesn't have commands. He doesn't have a clear direction for our lives. But as, as we think about our lives, we've probably been raised, if you were to take it, the, the extremes, of, of one or two types of homes or one or two types of churches or, or maybe vocations, whatever it might be. And, and one has been very restrictive. It's all about, you better toe the line. This is what it's all about, and you've got to make sure you do everything exactly the way you're told to do it. And that becomes oppressive because we think it's all about just following, following the rules, and it's good to follow rules, but if it's all about rules, then... What's that all about? 
And then some of us may have been raised in a very permissive environment. It's do whatever you want. But we find out there's a bondage to that. There's a slavery to that because our desires control us and our desires often point us down the wrong direction. So in the midst of this, God is speaking uh, through Paul uh, to people who are trying to get this thing figured out about God and what it's all about. And some of them had a, had a, a, a backstory. Some, some had some, some baggage they had to deal with. And, and they were coming from something that was good, but they were taking that which is good and, and really misunderstanding the, the purpose of that which God had done in the past. And, and God had given some laws in the Old Testament, and they were very clear, very detailed. They were, uh, they were numbered. There were 613 of them, though often we only think of the top um, the top. Uh, the top ten, and, and even, even in political environments sometimes, they're all trying to push the Ten Commandments, and they think that's all that God said was those ten. And, and they think really what it's all about is following those commandments to the best of your ability, and then God will give you a happy face on your report card. Uh, but really, the commandments were given to show us that we cannot live out God's commands through our own strength and our own power. It really points out our desperate need to not know about God, but to know Him personally and accept the offer that He can only offer, which is, I will, I will pay in full for the penalty of your sins. And so they were struggling about that. They thought Jesus was a good deal, but they thought, well, we need to add to that. And they, really, they didn't really quite get the equation. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And for them, it was Jesus, but add the law, and then you might, you might turn out okay. And, and so he, throughout this letter to the churches in Galatia, he's speaking powerfully that you need to understand that the gospel of grace is a gospel of freedom, and, and you are set free to be free. And, and some had come to that place where they were, they were free in Christ, but they weren't living like it. And so this morning, we're, we're really getting the, the, even the more practical section of, of this letter to uh, these believers in that day, trying to announce to them, okay, now you've heard it, now, now live it out. So this morning, even though there's a number of different subpoints in your outlines, I really only have three things I want to say to all of us this morning. Uh, number one, you've been set free, so now live like it. Secondly, I want you to understand that you can take steps backward or you can take, take steps forward. Have you found that to be true in life? You know, sometimes it's it's one step forward, two steps back. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. But which direction are you going? Are, are you going forward in your relationship with God? Or to be honest, you're going backwards. And then thirdly, you need to understand this because there's a, there's a price tag about how we do in our relationship with God. You can be deceived and your life really messed up. Do you know anybody, and we're not, we're not trying to be judgmental here, but do you know anybody who has a messed up life? And sometimes we think, well, that, that's a person who has, has no knowledge about God at all. But let's be honest. There are a lot of people who have been uh, Christians for long periods of time. They've been in church for a lot of years or are or, or faithful in, in a lot of different ways. But their life is just as messed up about some people who don't know anything about God. And when we are deceived and we live it the wrong way, and we think about where's this abundant life coming from, and we're not experiencing it, 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 we have to look at, well, why isn't it working? Because maybe we're going down the wrong path. We're going in the wrong direction. So this is, this is an awesome passage. This is one of those passages, actually, everyone got the word, is an awesome passage, but I, I hope to do justice with these 12 verses we're going to look at, because they really, they really set us free if we understand what they're all about. 
So just try, let's try to look at it this morning. Let's not be like that collie who was caged as a, as a young uh, pup. Uh, and then when it got older, it was still restricted by past experiences and couldn't even fetch a, 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 you know, a treat that maybe its owner would throw out or, or wouldn't even go for any kind of walk other than circles because it just didn't understand that it was now free. It was no longer in a cage. So let's look at it this morning. And it's always good to begin at the beginning. So let's look at the very first verse in chapter 5, verse 1. And Paul writes this, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, and then he gives a positive and a negative, positively, keep standing firm. Firm in what? Your freedom. And then the opposite, do not be a subject again to a yoke of slavery or the opposite of freedom. So either you can decide to live free or decide not to live free by what you're doing or not doing. And it all begins, and the Bible talks, some theologians will put it this way, there are indicatives and imperatives, and this is not an English class, but there are things that God states are true, but then in light of that which is true, there are things we ought to live out and believe and follow. Things can be true, and yet they don't, are not true in your life because you're not taking advantage of what is true. It's interesting, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Uh, literally, it's interesting, in, in, in original language, this is actually how it how it could be read uh, very simply and very clearly, is that he's really saying here, for freedom, Christ freed us. That really, when you think about what kind of a mission that Jesus was on, uh, you can describe it in a lot of different ways, and the Bible does that. He, he was on an operation of liberation. He, he was taking all of us, then and now and in the future, who are under the bondage of the things that are wrong in our life, and I want to set you free. I don't want to tie you up. I want you to live the life that I've always intended you to live. Do, doing those things I've, that, that really are, are to your nature, that what is best for you. Now, this, this is the operation of freedom. And, and interesting also, as you look at this, there's the word freedom is used both as a noun as a verb. I said it wasn't going to be an English class, but we're going to do this a little bit. He says, I, I want you to understand, a noun, this is reality. You're, it's freedom. It's freedom. But there's an action. You're set free. So freedom is not only uh, the goal, but there's a means to that goal. We, were, we weren't always free, but Jesus came to set us free so that we could experience freedom. And even the tense of the verb in the original language has the idea that this is a settled deal. deal. It's not something that might happen in the future or you're struggling about whether God's going to do it uh, at some undefined time. This was done in the past. That when Jesus was on the cross and one of the last words of Jesus, it is finished. It was finished in terms of that which establishes our freedom to be what we would all want to be. And it's done by his work, not our work. And so as we think about it, we need to understand it, it's, it's freedom that Christ has set us free, but we need to live like it. But let's look at it for a moment. What, what is the challenge that people have as it relates to being enslaved to whatever it is that we get addicted to? And it doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be. It could just be a lifestyle that just doesn't do it, doesn't, doesn't really make it happen. Um, because we go off in, in, in areas that are destructive rather than uh, that which is God's plan. And, and just, as you think about sin, 
you know, sometimes, you know, sin is, a, is definitely a religious word. Sin is not only that, that in our life which is wrong, but that which is not healthy. Have you recognized that? You know, sin is, is those things that, that mess us up. And God wants to set us free from that. Well, what, what is a couple ways of slavery? One is there a rebellious slavery. And looking at Romans 6, 15 and 16, you, you could see it this way. What then shall we be sin because we're not under law but under grace? And, and that's one of the, the dangers sometimes when we think about, well, God's not about rules and regulations. You can, you're, you're set free from that. It's not about looking at a list on the wall and saying, I've got I to make sure I do that. Well, if that's true, I can do whatever I want. Want. I can do whatever I feel like. I'll just, I'll just run amok or whatever it might be. But, but he, what he's saying there, look, at you, you are set free not to do just what you feel like doing, but set free to be what you're supposed to be. What, what then shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, whoever you hook yourself up to, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death, or obedience resulting in righteousness. So the commandments we see now in the New Testament are for, for liberating us to, to focus on Jesus and know what he wants us to be and to do. And it, and it sets us free from that which is not only wrong, but that which is destructive. That, that which is not going not gonna to help us, but to hurt us. We could, we could put a, a long, a, 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 some very simple things listed in our own heart and mind, if you do these things, if you're married, it's going to ruin your what? It's going to ruin your marriage. That's not only wrong, but it's unhealthy, right? Or if you want, if you want to do well in raising up children, well, you can do these things, but if you do those things, it's going to ruin your children, not make your children grow up to be responsible, free people. And so as we think about it, sometimes when we say no to God, we need to recognize when we say no to God, we're enslaving ourselves to that which is destructive. Does that make sense? And, and so in, in one sense, you could put it this way. Some people, some people get it wrong, but I feel they have a license to do whatever they want. And God says, look, I want you to understand, you know, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Not all things are helpful. So there's a rebellious slavery. But there's also religious slavery, and this is what he was really speaking to the church in that day. In Romans 7, 6, it says this, But now we have been released from the law, having died to that which we were bound, so that we serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Which really speaks to the the how-to. It hasn't worked trying to do it on our own. It hasn't worked trying to just focus on an external standard. It's really all about God living his life in us and then out through us. It's all about understanding that Jesus does things in us and through us and for us and to us. And then we live out the Christian life. For I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this earth suit, the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself, set me up, for me to be free. And so it's understanding. It's, it's, not all, it's not about license to do whatever you want. It's not about putting yourself under some kind of bondage legalistically. It's about allowing Christ to live his life out through you. And that's what he was emphasizing. You've been set free to do that. So w- w- what's the goal? If it's not 
being rebellious, just doing whatever you feel like doing, and if it's not about being more religious, you know, uh, memorizing the 613 commandments of the Old Testament and, and obeying them, then what is it? It's a relational freedom. In John 8, 31, 32, it says this, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you or make you what? Free. So, so the word of God is for the purpose of understanding God better, knowing him and his love for you, knowing that he is a good father. He's the savior who, who points you in the right direction. And when you focus on Jesus relationally, then you're set free. That little dog in the, who was released from the cage, now with a new family, all that dog could see was what she, where she had been. And, and now, in it, with a new ownership, she needed to understand that she was free. That, that whole yard was her. She could go wherever she wanted because that had been set by that family to, to keep her safe but to give her freedom. But too often we mess our lives up when we go either direction. We're rebellious toward God or we get involved in ritualism and we mess up. So he summarizes the whole book. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. The whole idea of do not uh, or keep standing firm. It, it really has a, a military perspective where you're, you're resisting something and you're holding fast. You're, you're not budging from this. And it's so easy for us to budge from what we know is right and what is true, isn't it? And we have, to, we have to hold on. And then he says, make sure you know what direction you're going. Are you going back to that which has enslaved you? You know, the Old Testament, the Bible says, has given us for so many different reasons. And one of this is to understand that it, there's some examples in there, some things we, we want to do that uh, they did well, and also some things back then that they did not do well. But I'm always amazed by the Exodus story. And the Exodus story, the word Exodus, uh, it really, it, it comes from a, a Greek word in the Hebrew Bible. But it has the idea of way out, X, like exit, Odus is way, X is out. And so they got, they, got, they got out. They got out of slavery in Egypt, and they went into the promised land or going toward the promised land. But as they got out of slavery, if you remember, it wasn't a pleasant experience. I mean, when, when they began to grow in population, Pharaoh says, I can't make it easier for them. i got to make it what? i got to make it harder. I mean, they, they were to build bricks without enough material to really build bricks. And they were, they were, they were beaten. They were... Uh, put under bondage in so many different directions until Moses was raised up by God to, to set them free. And, and, and God did some miraculous things to set them free, right? I mean, partying in the Red Sea, that was, that, you know, if you, if you were there, you probably wouldn't have forgotten that experience. But they weren't very long out in the wilderness. And, and in Exodus chapter 16, 3, this is what they say. The sons of Israel said to them, all the leadership, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. I mean, man, they began to have suicidal feelings. I, I wish we were just dead. And why were they so filled with despair? When, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. You say, well, let's just go back because, you know, even though we were enslaved, the meals were a little bit better now than we've been out camping. Any of you done a lot of camping? 
You know, if you've ever done back, backpacking, you know, it really gets kind of a little bit, you know, aren't the best meals when you're backpacking. And, and, and as they were out in the wilderness, they said, look, I, I'd rather go back to enslavement. And, and that really speaks that we need to realize that the Christian life is awesome, but it's not always, it's not always easy. It doesn't mean we're going to get every whim and every desire of our heart immediately, and, and there aren't be some things out there that entice us. I, I would rather have that. And sometimes that's what happens to us. We, we look at some things out there that other people enjoy that we're not enjoying or they have that we don't have. And some things are just good or neutral. And some things are evil, but, but we want to go back. We don't want to go back into slavery. So when Paul challenged us, look, you need to keep standing firm. Don't leave the ground you've already established in your relationship with me. And do not choose to go back to a yoke of slavery, to the, to the teachings of, of that which were not given for you to realize this is what life is all about, but to recognize in your life there's something more, and that something more is Jesus. And Jesus came to set us free if we abide in his word and abide with him. So, very simple. What, what is the point for us? We need to understand that, that God has set us free, so now let's live like it. Don't, let's not live in bondage, and recognize that's why he came. But then he goes on, because he knows that they're struggling with this, because they got other people telling them other things about what it means to know God and know him well. And so he really kind of challenges you, look, you can take steps backward, or you can take steps forward. And really, he, he talks about backward first, so let's, let's look at it this morning. He says, behold, I, Paul, and, I mean, he's been already writing. He identified himself early in this letter. You know, why is he identifying himself again? Have they forgotten that, you know, just, you know, what is it, two-thirds into the book? Well, again, he was saying, I'm not just speaking. This is not a letter written by just anybody. This is someone who was called of God. He established his credentials earlier in the letter. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, for most of us, you know, circumcision, we don't struggle with that at all, right? I mean, I get up in the morning, what should I do about circumcision for me or my friends or my family? I mean, that's just beyond, it's, it's not an issue for us. So can we just blot that out in our Bibles? Well, I, I don't really think that's the point for us to, to wrestle with, but to understand this. He was saying what has happened here is they were, they were taking a step backward. And the reason they were taking a step backward, they were turning and trusting in religious symbols. Religious symbols. And when people somehow, they, they rest their relationship with God on, on, on doing a few things that, that other people see as important and, and might even be important. But the, the reason I know I have a right relationship with God is because I, I take Holy Communion. That, that I've come to that place. And some people, if you've talked to them, I said, well, w- when did you receive Christ? And they say, I receive every time I receive communion. When I take of the, the wafer and take of the juice. And, and they're, they're thinking, well, that's, that's receiving Jesus. Other people say, well, uh, when, did you, when did you really become one of God's children? When did you become a Christian? And they'll say, well, it's when I got, I got put in this water tank, Right? It's when I got baptized. And, and let me tell you, God wants us to take communion. He wants us to, to be baptized. But if, if you're trusting your relationship with God because you got baptized or you take communion, then you've missed it. That, that symbol has no value for you. 
Now, now circumcision had value in the Old Testament. And even now, a lot of male children are circumcised, but not for religious reasons, for health reasons. Some feel that's a healthy, healthy procedure when, when a, ch- a male child is born. But, but what he's saying here, if you, if you take a religious symbol and think that's what makes you a child of God, that will be of no effect for you. In fact, actually, it's, 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 it is destructive for you because you're trusting the wrong thing and not the right person. Some look at church membership that way. Well, I'm a, are you a Christian? Well, I'm a member of this church or that church. And look, I believe in membership. I believe in communion. I believe in baptism. But it's not, it, it's, it, it's for a purpose to say, hey, I'm all in and I want to be obedient to God. But it, it doesn't bring you into, the, into God's family. Does that make sense? And, and that's what he was saying about circumcision. He wasn't saying that circumcision was wrong in the Old Testament. He wasn't even saying for some circumcision is right now. But he said if it's for salvation, you've missed it. Paul, when he was an infant, was circumcised. Philippians 3, 5. In, in Acts 16, 1 through 3, he said there's a value it if you are reaching out to Jewish people and they can't even listen to you if you're, if you're a male and you haven't been circumcised and, and you might have a, a platform, then get circumcised. But if somehow you are taking this as, as that is your assurance of faith because you once walked an aisle, you, you prayed a prayer, or you took communion, anything. What, 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 when does a person be, truly become a child of God? When they surrender their life to Jesus, put their complete trust in Him, and realize it's, it's not about what we do or they do, but what God has done and continues to do. Does that make sense? And so he was hammering on that. And, and that applies today today. And there, there are many people who have this assurance of salvation because of some religious ritual. And, and some of it is really good. You know, walking forward in a crusade is great. But even Billy Graham would say, so that after a, a time when many people had made professions of faith, he said, well, they're professions, but I, God only knows who truly surrender the lives of Christ. What do we need to do? We, you know, it's, it, there's the ABCs of the gospel. You need to really admit your need and turn from your sin. You need to be, believe that Jesus Christ is God, and he died on the cross for your sins and rose again. And then you need to commit, commit to believe and follow Jesus Christ in your heart, and be obedient to him. So you're not going to make it through circumcision or any other religious symbols. Well, let's, let's look at verse 3. And he says, And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. Now, he, he's speaking about people here who thought circumcision was a, a, a step to God. And he said, okay, if you're going to go down that path, and the reason you're going out that path, because it's in the law of God in the Old Testament, then you, you just can't stop there. You, you don't just get to pick and choose which laws you're going you're gonna to follow. You have to follow how many of them? All of them. The whole law. And even people today who, who, who go back to the Old Testament a lot to, to get guidance for their dietary um, um, prescriptions as far as what they should eat or not eat or some other type of things, which day they ought to worship on or not worship on. And I'm just thinking, look, at, uh, if you choose to, to, to eat like they ate in the Old Testament, fine. But, but don't think that 
brings you into a right relationship with God. That's just a personal choice. If you want to worship on Saturday rather than Sunday, that's fine. But if somehow you think that is an edict from God because it was in the law, then you, you, you can't just pick those two. You've got to pick how many of them? All of them. Or your obedience to that means absolutely nothing. Because you need to understand, let's put it very plainly, it was for freedom that Christ set us what? Free. Free for not approaching God through our own efforts, but on what Jesus has done for us. Because really what we're saying to Jesus when we begin to have Jesus plus, whatever that is, equals a relationship with him, we're saying, Jesus, you're not enough. You're not enough. And we'll go, well, I'm not saying that. That's it. Well, you're saying if you're adding to the message that will not bring you freedom but bring you bondage. And really, you want to summarize that. You look at verse 4. It says, you have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. If that's really the summary of your commitment to God, is that it's, it's, it's Jesus and my performance, then you don't have grace. It's like a, have you, we are now in that season where we're... Um, I was shocked yesterday. Oh, gosh, I don't have time. Okay, but, you know, Hallmark movies are already putting what kind of movies on, on TV? Christmas. I think this is October. I'm thinking, what have, what have this world come to? I mean, they, they skipped Halloween. They skipped uh, Thanksgiving. And they're now already doing Christmas right now. I'm thinking. But let me think about that. When Christmas happens, it would be like every time you receive a gift, you have to pay for that which was given to you. Yeah, that would change the, the atmosphere in your homes if that, if that were to happen, wouldn't it? That every gift you received, you then had to pull out the wallet or the checkbook or the credit card, and you had to pay for every gift that was given to you. You see, that's what we do to Jesus every time we say, it's gotta, I, I, there's something I got to do. And he says, look, if that's what's happened, you have fallen from grace. But what are we supposed to do? And this real quickly. He goes on, verse 5, and he says this. For we through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. He puts it in contrast. What we put our faith in is that which God has promised. And particularly, not only has he settled it in the past, but the complete experience of that is in the future. It's the hope of righteousness. Not wishful thinking. Something that is settled. We put our trust in that which gives us what we desperately need, which is a righteous standing before God. Trusting God's promise of righteousness, also trusting God's promise of love. Then he goes on in verse 6 and he says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Hey, whether you get, get cut or don't get cut, man. That, either way, it has no value in terms of your standing before God. It's a choice that you might do for, for wisdom's sake. But it's all about faith working through love. So it's trusting God's hope of righteousness and it's God's promise of love that, that causes us to enter into a right relationship with God. So how, how important is this? Well, he's already put it pretty strongly. But then he goes on and says, not only do you realize that you can take steps forward or backward, what are you trusting in? Who are you trusting in? He then goes on, you can be deceived and your life really messed up. Let's, let's see this in the last few verses. Verse 7, he says this, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now he really kind of speaks about it going forward or backward, but now he really 
speaks of the real danger of that. And he says, you were hindered uh, in, in the direction of your life. And then he, then he tries to identify who, 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 who caused this to happen in your life. Some of your translations might say this, who, who cut in on your life with God? It really has the idea that the who hindered. In that day, there, there were many battles going on, and there were armies that would fight against each other, and they had, they had all kinds of strategies. One of the ways they would strategize to, to defeat or resist an uncome, incoming army is that they would cut into the roads. They would, they would somehow cause their ability to, to go from where they were to where they wanted to be and say they couldn't, they couldn't travel with all their heavy equipment. If they destroyed the roads, then one army could not attack another army. And so they would hinder or cut in. Uh, later on, this phrase, hindered, really has the idea, particularly in athletics, where you might be in a race. And if you're in a race and the person behind you is, is catching up with you, what you would do is you would cut into his lane, hindering him from passing you. And really what he's saying here, you got people who are cutting into your lane. you got people who are trying to keep you from winning but to actually lose because they're, they're taking your space and they're taking what you know is true and they're, they're causing you to be hindered from the direction you should be going. And, and, and so he really hits it hard and says, I want you to understand there, there are people who are trying to keep you from God. And, and then he goes on in verse 8 and he says, the persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. And really what it's saying here, what people are hindering you, not hindering you physically. They're not forcing you to go back to the law. But what they're doing is they're telling you things that aren't true from God. And I think we need to all realize there are a lot of people who talk about God in the church and outside the church. And we need to be very fully aware that not everything you hear about God is from God. This past week, as we were uh, in one of the life groups I was in, and we had that discussion, and, and the, the discussion, well, I, I heard this th- th- about God, or I heard this about direction, what, what we ought to do or should not do. And really, the simple answer was, well, where in the Bible does it say that? I know, but they, they sound like they really knew what they're talking about. Well, if God doesn't clearly say it, then in many decisions that we make, he sets us free. If we're being to the clear teaching of God's word, then we have freedom to do so many other things, and we don't need to have other people tell us what we need to do. They need to point us where, what God has said. So not everything you hear from God is from God. And we need a little, a little leaven, a little that which is wrong can ruin everything. And really that's what he says in verse 10 as well. For I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, for the one who is disturbing you will bear the judgment wherever he is. And so we need to understand that we need to be careful to, to say true what is true. Uh, just because we've, uh, in the past, maybe not followed after other people's words that aren't from God, we need to hold on diligently faithful that we won't do that in the future as well. Hold on to what you know is true. And then Paul really turns up the heat. He says this, but I, brethren, if I... If I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. When you really think about the message of Christ, it sounds like it's too easy, doesn't it? Jesus died on the cross, rose again, paid for all of our sins. All you need to do is surrender your life to Jesus. That's too easy. We can't make it easy for people. 
He said, look at it. I never added things to this message. And if anyone would have been tempted to do it, it would be me because, you know, as far as other people looking at my life, as it, as it was in terms of being obedient to the law, people thought I was blameless. So I would have just said, yeah, believe in Jesus and just follow my example. But I looked at all that thing as rubbish. And let's be honest about this. Sometimes, have you ever had an experience where someone says something to you that sounds a little bit strange, and, and then you ask them, well, where did you hear about that? Well, who said that? And they said, well, you said that. Anybody had that experience? I'm thinking, I said that? You know, and it's like totally opposite to what I would have said or how, you know. And I say, no, no, I didn't say that. Well, so-and-so told me you said that. Well, that's what they were saying here. Well, you know, Paul is really saying, yeah, you need to be circumcised. He's circumcised. He circumcised Timothy. I mean, he's saying you all need to be circumcised. And he said, I didn't say that. And if that is true, then why am I be persecuted for saying the exact opposite? And so sometimes people will twist our minds and our hearts by by referring to other people who we respect and they're saying they said that and you need to check that out because maybe they never ever said that and that's what Paul's saying. Isn't it amazing how life just repeats itself? I mean, they struggle with the same things that we do. And then he finishes this one. He says, oh, oh, by the way, I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Now, I don't want to get too graphic here, but if you don't know what a circumcision is, that's when, when there's a cutting in a particular organ in the male body, all right? And he's saying, look, it, if, if they think circumcision is so great, you know what I would hope for them? Look, if you're just going to do a little cutting, just cut the whole thing off. Make yourself a eunuch before God. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little strong, doesn't it? And if you ever want an example about righteous anger, this was Paul. I mean, he mentioned no words. It, it, was, it was a little bit more sarcastic than I ever get, right? He said, look, if you're having a problem with this, you think a little cutting's good, just cut the whole thing off. Now, why would he say that? Well, you're saying that because, look, you're destroying the message of the gospel. You're destroying the message of Christ who came to set us free, not to put us under bondage. And, and so as we think about living out the Christian life, we, we need to understand that, that what God wants to understand, that we are free, so we need to live like we're free. You know, isn't that true about a lot of parts in life? We are, we are in a particular state, but we're not living like it. You know, when, when, uh, when a... When a man who is single marries a woman, he gets what? This is not a trick question. <laughs> he gets married, right? But if you, if you notice some, some, some men, you know, they, they, they once were single and then they met, met a woman, they get married, but, but the, after that they act like they're still what? Like they're still single. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're not in that state anymore. You're now married. Live like it. And reality, when you have a good marriage, is it, 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 if you find the right person, and, it, it, is it better or worse? Hope I get the right answer. It's what? It's better, right? Now, but part of the reason they want to go back to single, they, well, maybe <laughs> some of those things I enjoyed when I was single, I'd rather live that way. Don't go back there. Why? You, live like you are. You are now married. Live like you're married. It's better. And, and you, could, you, could, you could put another way. Okay, um, you have two people get married, and, and they used to be single, both single now, they're married, and, and then if, if they lived together for a while and things are healthy, they might, they might bear children, right? And so we'll, we'll just pick on the men, right? So this, this 
this man who was single, now he's married, and it's better that he's married, and now he, he's not only a husband, he's now a, he's now a father, right? Well, have you ever met men that, that uh, didn't have children and now have children, and they're married, and they're a father, and, and, and some of these men, they act like they don't have any what? Children. And, and why is that? Because, well, you know, I didn't have that early morning get up and help the, the kid get, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, it threw up in the middle of the night, and I had have to go help them, or, or now when I come home, I can't do anything I want. I might have to spend some time, and, and, and they're struggling with that. Well, I'd rather not have children. I'd rather be like, you know, let the wife deal with the children. I'm just going to go out and have fun. But, but, but let me ask you, if you have a healthy relationship with your children, is, is your life better because you have children, or, is it, or do you wish you didn't have children? It's better because you what? You have children, so act like you have children. It, it, it's better that way. And really, that's what he was saying to him in this whole section in Galatians. Look, I have set you free. And you're thinking, what do you mean set you free? Now, Jesus is Lord. Now, that, and we need, there, there, sometimes there's, the, there's a push and a pull here. Well, if, if Jesus is Lord, then I'm his servant. Well, that doesn't sound like freedom. And he's saying, no, no, you need a, this is better this way. Because you're going to know the, the best way to live. Just follow me. And, and when we mess up, what, what has happened is not that because we haven't looked back at the law. We've kept our eyes off Jesus. When, when we're really messed up in our marriage, it's not because marriage is wrong. We've messed up in our relationship with, with our spouse. And when we mess up with our kids, it's not because our kids are, you know, it's because we haven't really focused on our kids and what's best for them. And, and so what he's saying here, it's not about having a list of rules here. It's understanding, look at this is better. And just live out who you are. You are a child who has been set free because Jesus sets us free. He is our full hope. He is the one who gives us love. He's the one who gives us direction. Don't go back to a bondage. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go be acting like you're single when you're married. Don't be acting like you don't have kids. Be a father. Enjoy the experience that God has gifted you and given you. Let's pray. Father, so often as we think about the freedom that's found in Christ, we think that there really isn't freedom there because Jesus is here to tell us what to do. He's here to tell us what we ought to be. And Father, I would pray for all of us that we might in a fresh way say, this is who we are. We're we're children of God. And because of that, we have all the riches that is found in a relationship that fully is one that loves us and cares for us and directs us. And Father, I would pray for anyone here this morning that maybe doesn't know Jesus. Might they recognize it's it's not easy, but it's, it's the most awesome experience ever because you're the one who takes us from where we were and erases all that was wrong in our life and now sets it in a direction that sets us free to be what we were always intended to be. Help us to live for you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.